Okay, with your Bible or device or the church app, I would like to invite you to join me in Acts chapter 1. We're going to hang out in this great chapter today, Acts chapter 1. Acts is a New Testament book that comes right after all four of the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then there's Acts. Acts is basically a follow-up or the sequel to the book of Luke. As the second volume in a two-part work by Luke, this book probably had no separate title originally. It just would have been the work of Luke and the account of Luke. But all Greek manuscripts describe this as the praxeus or Acts or Acts of the Apostles. And so that's the title that we know and we have today. While the Apostles are mentioned collectively at several points throughout the book, there really is a focus distinctively on two Apostles. So again, they're all kind of part of it, but there is a focus on two Apostles. In Acts chapter 1, Through Acts chapter 12, there's a focus on the apostle Peter and what he said and what he did and how the church was forming and growing. And then what we find is there is a distinct pivot in chapter 13 through the end of the book or chapter 28 with a focus on the apostle Paul. So the first part of the book, there's a focus on Peter and what he said and what he did and Luke captured all of this for us, and then the book pivots to talking about the Apostle Paul. What's interesting about Acts is that Luke was written from uh, about, as you think about the book of Acts and Luke being the author, it's written from his own memory. So Luke is recording things that he observed, things that he witnessed, And probably he also wrote down in some type of diary as well. So Luke is recalling these things from his own mind and from his own diary. If you go back to Luke chapter 1, the first four verses outline for us the prologue to Luke. And we read this last week where Luke details for us his investigative procedures. So he tells us, here's what he did to capture all of this information that we find in his gospel. Well, scholars tell us that he used those same investigative procedures as he walked through the book of Acts. Now, here's something interesting. Luke was a close traveling companion of the apostle Paul. So they had a lot of time together. And again, as Luke recalls from memory what he observed and what he wrote down, he had a lot of time where he traveled with the Apostle Paul, which helps us to know he had access to eyewitness accounts and eyewitness people. And then Luke certainly spent time in the city of Jerusalem as well, where he would have had more access to apostles like Peter and John and other apprentices of Jesus and those who were forming the early church. Luke was all right there. And so He was able to capture this, and Acts indicates that Luke probably also used other written documents, and you can read about that in Acts chapter 15 and in Acts chapter 23. 
Now, I share all of that with you about Luke's background and the book of Acts being a sequel to the book of Luke and all of these investigative procedures and how Luke had access to eyewitness accounts because what we read today and what we will investigate and study is trustworthy and reliable. And so we can stand on it. I really believe that. So you can have confidence. You can. And have a sense of joy that what Luke has given to us is good and exactly what God wanted him to record. And there's great detail to what actually happened. It's trustworthy. Which brings us to our big idea for today. Here it is. Think again about what God wants for you. And I hope that makes sense as we continue to move through our time together. Just think again about what God wants for you. Because here's the deal. If you have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, there is something that God wants for you. And he wants you to live this out in dynamic ways and be a godly and joyous presence everywhere God takes you. So let's just think again about what God wants for us. And let's begin by reading Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. In my first book, I told you. Now, what's the first book? It's the Gospel of Luke. So Luke is saying here, as he continues, as we step into book 2, or the sequel, or the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, he's saying, in my Gospel... In my book, I told you Theophilus. Now, we brought him up last week and said, hey, come back today and we'll talk a little bit about Theophilus and we'll do that. So here he is again. In my first book, I told you Theophilus about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So quick note here, Theophilus, Theo means God, Philos means friend. So Theophilus is a friend of God. I believe, based on research, that Theophilus was a real person. He's not just a figure of some type, but Luke is talking about a real person because The name Theophilus was very common in Luke's day. A lot of people would have been named this, including this individual. And it's likely he was a wealthy participant in what God was doing. So God had resourced this particular individual, Theophilus, with a lot of money. And scholars believe that he bankrolled Luke's research. He paid for it. So he's basically the one who said, Luke... I want you to go out and research and find all of this stuff because God is doing an amazing thing and I'll pay for it all. Your travels, your writing, everything, I'll cover it all. And I think Luke was pretty happy about that. So that's Theophilus. And he's saying here, you know what? In my first book, I told you, friend of God and person who paid for my research. I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Okay, verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he, speaking of Jesus, 
appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. What is so interesting about what we just read is that we get clarity on how long Jesus was alive and here on earth after he came out of the tomb, how much time he spent here on earth. We get a picture of that. This was a common ancient literary device that they would use with sequels. They would give some information in the first book. And if you go to Luke chapter 24, and we read this last week, there is an account of Jesus coming back to life, and then he ascended. He returned to heaven. But Luke gives us a little more detail in Acts chapter 1, like the timing. How long was Jesus actually here on earth after he came back? to life. Have you ever wondered that? Jesus was here. He died. He rose again, and he appeared to some people. Last week, we looked at how he appeared to some travelers on the road to Emmaus, and he appeared to the followers of Jesus, the disciples, and he ate with them, and then he returned to heaven. But how long was he actually here? This is probably not something we consider that much. But Luke, as he continues his research and work, brings us up to speed, and he gives us a timeline here where he states that Jesus was here on earth, and he showed himself to be alive by appearing to people, and it was about a 40-day period of time. Now, some have wondered if there is significance or symbolism in that 40-day period. Why was Jesus here on earth for 40 days and then he chose to ascend? Is there anything significant there? Is there symbolism in the 40 days? After all, there is a frequent occurrence of 40-day things and events in the Old Testament. There are several of them. And they're very meaningful. And I would encourage you on your own time to go into the Old Testament and do a deep dive and search for these 40-day events. They're really significant. And then in the New Testament, like Luke's gospel, he records for us in chapter 4 the temptation of Jesus by Satan. And wouldn't you know, that temptation lasted 40 days. So there's all kinds of 40-day events in Scripture. Is there any significance to Jesus being here on earth for 40 days after he came back to life, before he returned to heaven? Is there any symbolism in that? I have no idea. I have no idea. I just know it's recorded for us. Luke wants us to know, hey, he was here for at least 40 days. And the significance of that is he was proving to people that he really was alive. And Luke wanted everybody to know about this. Okay, back to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And let's just read through the rest of this here. Once when he, Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. 
as I told you before, just stay there. John baptized with water, but guess what? In just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power. Now, this is a very significant verse in chapter 1 that impacts all of us today as well. So if you like to highlight and underline, this is certainly a verse that you want to grab. But you will receive power when God the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here's what will happen. You will be my witnesses. You will be my evangelists. You will be my storytellers, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem. It will start here, and then that's going to travel throughout Judea, in Samaria, and eventually to the ends of the earth. After saying this, keep in mind, Luke is giving us more detail here as he picks up on Luke chapter 24. After saying this, he, Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into the heaven. You can picture that, can't you? Like this is kind of a bizarre event. Someone who was alive just kind of rises up into the heavens. So you can picture them straining like, wow, where did he go? Well, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven But guess what? Someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went into the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. And here are the names of those who were present. And I think it's often easy to overlook names in Scripture But Luke is giving an eyewitness account or picking up on what he observed and what others shared with him. So he's listing the names here. Here's who is present in that room. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Not Judas Iscariot, but Judas, son of James. So guess what? They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Mm, I love that. They just observed so many crazy things. A dead person coming back to life and then disappearing and rising up into the heavens and it caused them to be united in prayer and that's what they were doing along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. And what we find in the rest of the chapter is that Peter says, hey, and I'd encourage you to read this on your own. Hey, we're down a disciple. And the reason they were down a disciple is because Judas Iscariot had sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver He had a lot of remorse over that, and he went out and took his own life. 
So Judas Iscariot is no longer living. And the disciples get together and Peter says, we have to replace him and let's find someone who knew Jesus and observed his life. And so they come together and they choose Matthias to be the next disciple. That's Acts chapter one. Great. There's a lot of good stuff here for us to digest and to consider and to help build a timeline of what happened when Jesus came back to life based on what we find in Luke chapter 24 and then in the sequel in Acts chapter 1. So we are in this theme called Here Today and Here Tomorrow. And that's really a focal point of the New Testament. It's God continually reminding followers I am with you, right? I am with you. And we see that right away with the birth of Jesus. He shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not God up there, not God out there somewhere. God is right here. He is with us. He has flesh. He is here. And of course, Jesus lived. And he gathered people around him, followers and apprentices, and he promised them, I am here today, and I will be here tomorrow as well, even though I am going to disappear. God the Father is going to send God the Holy Spirit, and that's what Jesus is talking about here in Acts chapter 1. Just hang in there a little bit. Wait for it. I'm here today. God the Father will send God the Holy Spirit when I disappear, and he will be with you tomorrow, here today and here tomorrow, and God the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He will come upon you. And here's what we will do. Did you pick up on this? Here's what he will do in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So wait for it. He's he's coming. He will be with you. And when you receive him, you will have this power. I love the word power. It's the Greek word dunamis here, which means might or strength. It's where we get the English word dynamite, which probably makes sense. So Jesus is saying, I'm here today. God the Father will send God the Holy Spirit and he will give you dunamis. You will have might and strength and power when he is with you. That's quite a promise. Power to do what? That's outlined for us in verse 8 as well you will be my witnesses. You will have this dunamis and you will be my evangelists, my storytellers right here in the city of Jerusalem and then slowly it will just spread out across the earth and you will be bright lights and God will use that in extraordinary ways. So Acts chapter one is about Jesus saying, I'm here today. God the Father will send God the Holy Spirit to be with you. Wait for it. 
wait for it, when he comes, you will have might and strength and you will be my witnesses throughout the earth. So I want you to think about this. What we know based on scripture is that when a person trusts in Jesus alone to rescue them, when they embrace his leadership and his forgiveness, when a person trusts in Jesus, in that moment, miraculously, God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit and he takes up residence within us and he never leaves us and he guides us and instructs us and comforts us and challenges us and he is with us. Us. This is a unique time here because Jesus was with them. He had to leave, but in that whole process, he said, just wait for it. I'm here today, but God, the Holy Spirit will be with you and he will reside in you as a follower, as a believer, and you will have might. You will have strength and you will be able to effectively live out the story of Jesus. So whether you knew it or not, or whether you understood it or not, at the moment of salvation, God did something for you. He gave you the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, and he is within you. It's God with us. God with us. That's very encouraging. You should smile a little bit if you have believed because you have God with you. It's quite phenomenal. And again, maybe you didn't know that. And maybe you didn't feel anything at all. Most people don't. But what we know in scripture is that in that moment of belief, God, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. God's here today. And because he is in believers, he will be with you tomorrow. He will be with us. Now, can we ignore him? Absolutely. Just like you can ignore the person next to you. And you've probably done that occasionally. Can we push him to the side and not yield to God the Holy Spirit and not follow him? Oh, absolutely we can do that. Can we relegate him to a tiny little part in our lives and say, stay there and don't come out and don't bother me? Absolutely. We can do that. And when that happens, God is still with us. But I think we miss out on dunamis, the power that he wants to provide for all of us to be his storytellers. So can we ignore him? Can we push him to the side? Absolutely, it can be done. But can we listen to him? Can we follow him? Can we yield to him? Yes, we can. And when that happens, scripture makes it clear that the Holy Spirit wants to produce this kind of fruit in our lives. And when we follow and when we yield to him, I think this is the result. And this is the power we get to live out in front of others. The Holy Spirit Here's what he can do when we follow and when we yield. He will produce this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we yield, when we follow, the natural outflow of our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So believer, follower of Jesus, apprentice, does that describe you? Is that what you're currently experiencing? Or is it the opposite of all of that? That could be an indicator of what you're doing with the power that God the Holy Spirit can provide for you because he wants to produce this in our lives. And when we open our hearts to him and when we follow him and yield to him and submit to him coming out of us, love, joy, peace, and so on and so forth. It's a good thing. I have just one takeaway today. And that is, please remember, here today, here tomorrow, means that God is still with us. See, I think sometimes we forget about that. Right? Like, all this stuff happened, but no, God is still with us. And guess what? He wants to work through his followers. And if you've trusted, if you've believed, that's you. He wants to work through his apprentices to help the church be a godly and joyous presence. So here's the deal. At some point for believers, and that's who I'm really talking to today, So if you would say you're not a believer, you're just not there quite yet, you're not so sure about Jesus, you're off the hook today, okay? But I do hope you've enjoyed thinking about this. For believers, at some point, this has to move beyond intellectual knowledge. Like, okay, yes, God wants this for me, and he wants to use me to be a godly and joyous presence. That has to move beyond being something that we know. I would submit that followers of Jesus are really good at knowing a lot of stuff, myself included, but not doing all of that stuff. And I don't know if we really need more knowledge. We probably just need to act on what we already know. And that's the challenge here. So, Here today, here tomorrow means that God is still with us and he wants to work through his followers to enable the church to be a godly and joyous presence. At some point, we have to move beyond just knowing that and owning it and doing it. And here's what it looks like when an individual or a group of apprentices owns it and does it. Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's April 2021. We live in the age of opinions. Everybody has all kinds of opinions, and everybody seems to know everything. It's amazing. Yet... With all of that, there's a distinct lack 
of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Come on, you know this and you feel this. There is a distinct lack of that in the world. And I would say there is a lack of that from followers of Jesus as well. So if you have believed, if you are a follower of Jesus, then yield to the Holy Spirit. Open up every part of your life to him and give him free reign and control. And if love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is not emanating from you, stop it. Confess it to God. Confess to others if that's necessary. And allow the Holy Spirit to produce in you what he wants to produce so that you and we can be better together and be a godly and joyous presence. I hope that makes sense. Back to the big idea. Think again about what God wants for you. Just think again about that. And what does he want for you? To be a godly and joyous presence? To open up every part of your life to God the Holy Spirit so that the power he provides can enable you to be filled with love, joy, and peace, and so on and so forth as outlined for us in Galatians. So may God give us the courage and the passion to say, okay, I've believed. I will once again give free reign to God the Holy Spirit living within me Because he's here today and he'll be here tomorrow and he wants to produce in us good things that share the name of Jesus. Father, we're thankful for some time today just to consider the gift of God, the Holy Spirit. And this is what Luke outlined for us in Acts chapter one, just talking about Jesus and the reminders that he gave. I'm leaving, I'm stepping out because my work here on earth is done. But God will still be with us because the Holy Spirit is coming. So God, for believers, we have God the Holy Spirit living inside of us. He takes up residence in the hearts of those who trust. But often we kind of push him away and dismiss him. God, my confession to you is that I often move through life without yielding to the Holy Spirit in me. So help me today and this week to just open up every part of my life and yield so that from me can come the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that over everyone in this room and everyone watching online as well, that you would help us to really look within and confess to you and to others if we haven't been acting in line with the fruit of the Spirit. And just kind of draw a line in the sand and say it's time. It's time to let the Holy Spirit reign 
and not opinions, not even what we know, but who you are. God, we've been singing about you today. We believe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe that. But help us to act on what we believe. Help us to do it now. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.